Hey, everybody, how are you doing? Again, it is me, Joel, back again for another episode of It Starts With Me. We've got a great individual here, John Peisner, who is coming to give a story. And I believe that his story is just going to inspire people to be extremely resilient. He's been through multiple things, but he has always found a way to be able to overcome them. Before we get him on the screen, let's go ahead and talk about a few different things. Number one, Monday night. All right, you know the co-host of the Community Beacon. Mike will be there on Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. with Motivational Mike Monday. Uh, this past weekend, he was talking a lot about real estate. I think he did that for the last two weekends, but he's a business model. So he's got plenty of things and information, tips and tricks to be able to help you manage and get through. So please be there with them, 9 o'clock p.m. That's going to be Mike Seville on YouTube. And then also we'll be here again, as always, on Wednesdays. 1230 is when we stream. It starts with me, where we're looking for more and more people that are going through their transitional phase inside of their life. And they have they have this opportunity within time and chance to make a good decision. And based on those decisions, it changes their trajectory for the positive. So please tune in with us here on Wednesdays at 1230. You can find us where podcasts are broadcast as well as on YouTube. And finally, on Friday nights, you can you can find us again on YouTube at the Tenacity Foundation with Community Beacon every single Friday night at 630, where we look to inspire people to find their truth, to be able to recognize truth, where the Community Beacon is a location where we showcase the truth and hope to help people to find a freer mindset and a freer lifestyle. Without further ado, though, we want to go on and bring John on up front so that we can enjoy this conversation. Hey, good morning, Joel. Hey, John. It's good to see you, buddy. Listen, man, I, I, I just realized I didn't even give people credit of knowing who you are. So <laughs> let me put this out there, okay, about uh, now, it, and is, is it Peisner? You got Peisner. it. So Jonathan Peisner is the founder of the Value Creation, Value Protection, LLC, a financial and risk consultant practice focused on helping companies in the automotive industry create and protect value with a particular focus on the automotive remarketing and salvage industries. With over 30 years experience, Peisner's specific skill sets relate to value creation, protection, including investment relations, business and strategic planning, corporate finance, enterprise risk management, risk management, and global treasury management. Prior to the founding of the Value Creation Value Protection, Peisner served as the Vice President of Enterprise Risk Management for Karma, Indiana, based CAR, C-K-A-R Global, and that's, I guess that's the ticker. Is that the ticker? Here's K-A-R, yep. <clears throat> and that's a Fortune 1000 company. So you know we got to hear a little more about that. Pfizer <laughs> began his automotive remarketing career in 2004 as an investor relations consultant to newly public ADESA, A-D-E-S-A. Then was hired in 2005 to serve as the vice president investor relations and business planning at ADESA slash CARP. 
He played leadership roles in establishing the company's Wall Street presence following his 2004 IPO assisting with the company's merger and LBO in April 2007 and reestablishing Carr's Wall Street presence following its December 2009 IPO. Peisner was previously ranked the number two IRO in retailing specialty stores sector by Institutional Investor Magazine. Welcome to It Starts With Me. Thank you. <laughs> I love it, man. You've got a great, fulfilling history. I mean, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, thank you. You know, first of all, if you were to talk to my wife or my, any of my grown kids, they would tell you that I'm not half that important. You know, <laughs> Joel, you and I were talking beforehand, and I told you I recently talked about career transitions, which is totally different than a job change. Uh, to some inner city kids in Austin where, where I'm from. And one of the things I told the kids, and I think it's true, it'll resonate with you. I think it'll resonate with all your listeners is wherever you are and wherever you're going in life, it's predicated on two things. And I didn't invent this. We're all victims of our life experiences and our DNA. And for me, my DNA includes a family history of mental illness, which, you know, we've all, we all have our stuff. Nobody goes, gets out of planet Earth without going through stuff. And you go through physical stuff and you go through mental stuff. But I will tell you <clears throat> the mental challenges that we all go through and you don't want to go through. And I told this to the kids, you want to go around it. You want to escape, you want to drink, you want to join. You, the only way you can get through it, and it's such a bear, Joel, it's such a bear, is you have to go through it. And it's the worst. You'll get better, you'll get to the other side, but you want to go left, you want to go right. It's like, don't make me go through it. And I did, and it was tough. And I, honest to God, not to get corny on you, but I feel blessed that I've made it to this point. <clears throat> Oh, that's powerful, man. That, I mean, <laughs> wow. Speaking about a uh, path of resilience, you know, just starting off right there is that we did not get into that piece of the conversation. And I definitely appreciate that, you know, um, mental illness and or disorders, those are not the easiest things to navigate through. It takes a lot. Not only does it take a lot for the individual, but it also takes a lot for the individual's environment, you know, family, work, everyone that is affected by the person. How did you come on? Talk to me. Can I just add to what you said? Everything you said is exactly right. <clears throat> it's a lot to talk about it because when there is mental illness and I, I was very involved in an organization called NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. <clears throat> There is, you experience what I believe is the worst emotion a human being can ever experience. It's shame. You know, people who have cancer, they're not ashamed to say, I got cancer, or I have this, I have that. But if you're undergoing mental illness, you it's, it's like we're in the 1200s. It's like you're ashamed to say it. It is such a stigma. You know, I think, and Joel, I, I mentioned this, 
before, you know, when I was 18 and my older brother was 21 and in med school and he died by suicide. And I didn't know he was suffering from mental illness literally until, you know, after my parents told me what happened. And I was like, why didn't he tell me? And why didn't they tell Now, this is in the 70s. And back then, you know, if you were undergoing that, and I think, sadly, Joel, I would say even today, there are many, many individuals, many families, if they're undergoing mental illness, they're just ashamed. They're just ashamed, which is so sad. <clears throat> so, again, you know, powerful statements. Uh, so my background has a lot to deal with mental illness, and I actually attribute a lot of my success to having battled so much mental illness in my youth. I don't, you know, and I don't claim to have defeated everything. You know, I still have highs and lows because as a child, you know, I, I, I was bipolar, uh, uh, manic, manic depressive, you know, as well as ADHD. I had a whole lot of labels, but my mother, she works in that type of environment. So over the course of my life, I've learned how to utilize those moments to my benefit, which has benefited me. You know, when I'm low, I get to myself, I read, I exercise, <laughs> I do specific activities to broaden myself. And, you know, when I'm manic, I go out and I do fun things. I get in with my children. We do a lot of laughter and things like that. So I've learned to harness those emotions to the best of my ability. But in the 70s, you know, I was just being born. So what was it like for you in the 70s? Because I can only imagine. Wow. Um, so one thing I distinctly remember um, after my brother's death, uh, my parents wanted me to meet with his psychiatrist and <clears throat> he said words to the effect and I'm look, I'm 62 years old and I was 18 at the time and they still ring in my head. He said, Jonathan, don't worry about this. There was just something wrong in Ronley's head. And, you know, it's statement is wrong on so many levels. I mean, if he had done any work, he would have learned that my mother had Alzheimer's, her mother had dementia, goes back and as I said, you know, we're all victims of our DNA. So it's important to understand your family DNA. So back then it was shunned. I remember um, I'm Jewish, so sitting Shiva and people said, we're sorry um, that your brother died. Uh, back then, it was very, they say that he committed suicide, which if, and Joel, I know you know this, but maybe some of your listeners don't. When you say they committed suicide, you're blaming the victim. So, which is why, God, I think for the last 10, 20, you know, he died by suicide. But, you know, no one, uh, no one could really, you know, look me in the eye and have a heart to heart with me. Um, you know, I think the, the best thing that happened is some of my friends said, hey, come on, let's get out of here and go smoke a joint. And 
that's what we did. You know, wow. The, that's a that's a huge statement. And, you know, I hope that the listeners are catching on to that, especially because right then there was an opportunity for advancement or helping, you know, you, the family. But when people don't know what to do, they take these different routes. And, you know, smoking a joint was just an escape route. It didn't actually, I, I mean, for me, I don't think that, did it help you at all? Did it take away the pain? Did it remove uh, You know, it's, it's temporary, you know, like it's any temporary. drug or drink. I think part of the worst of it was, I remember kind of just observing my parents. Um, and I think they were, and this is a horrible thing to say, so don't hate me. I think they were embarrassed by my brother's death. Well, but he died by suicide. So the stigma with suicide, I believe, is still the same. Uh, I have a friend, maybe uh, three years ago, his son died of suicide. And there was so, because he's such an ostentatious individual, high level, high productivity within society, everybody looks to him to be like this guiding light. And I won't forget that... Uh, this is actually in, in our church, the bishop, the bishop, the number one man in the church during a major event, looked at him, called him by name and said, don't you worry about what people think about you and your son. If anybody ever asks you what happened to your son, you tell them, that's my son. I love him. And when he did that, everybody got this understanding, quit judgment. Just stop right now. And I think that that's where we need to get. You know, it's not for us to decide whether or not it was right or wrong. It's for us to understand that people are human and to treat people like humans because it's all, every one of us is one choice away from being mm -hmm. in the position that we may be looking at outside of our, our eyes. So, Joel, not only do I totally agree with you on what you just said. But my hope and prayer for this segment is if one listener, if just one listener who is having some dark thoughts pauses and reaches out and gets some help, that's like home run, grand slam, boom. Man, I, I, I knew I was going to like you. <laughs> right, back at, right back at you. I, I, oh, man, you're... You know, you are wholesome and you've got you've got a great heart. You've got a great mindset. And I just think that this is amazing that we have this opportunity to share these things, you know, and what you're bringing up is the feeling that I had going on this morning. You know, I gave it to you in such a perspective as I did. But it was like this this feeling that had overcome, that was attempting to overcome me. So there was a lot of meditation through everything that I was, that I was going through this morning. And some of the conversations that I had were not uplifting. They were like, okay, you're trying to throw me back again. But then I get on this, this, uh, this yeah. meeting with you, this show with you. And the first thing that we present or that you present when given opportunity is, Hey, this is exactly where we are. And I think that this is the perfect conversation to have. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, 
I hope again, I hope it's, you know, such a, a benefit, you know, to your listeners. And um, yeah, and that's why I enjoy, you know, getting involved with junior achievement and speaking to young people and letting them know, you know, you're going to go through highs and lows. You know, the sad part is, which is super interesting, if you've ever studied the mind, and I'm sure you have, you know, you have this amygdala. It hasn't evolved since we we're reptiles and it's still the fight or flight. And so this is why, you know, I know when I went through very dark times, Joel, and it's not that I wanted to die, but I didn't want to live with the pain. I, I believe, I firmly believe for those who have gone through it, like my brother, or have gone through dark times in their life, it's not like, ah, I want to leave my wife, my kids, blah, blah. It's just, I have this pain and I have to escape it. Right. So that's a perfect segue to get right back into like this pathway of resiliency that I think that you're presenting so well. And that is what were some of the steps? If you can remember, what were some of the steps? One, two, three different things that you did, even if they're not steps or in order that helped you to manage through this level of depression, this level of, you know, of hurt and pain and to become the successful uh, business person that you are today? So thank you for the question. I'm going to reference back to the lowest point in my life, which was 2016 <clears throat> from April to July. And I think the only way I survived that, there were times, honest to God, I would remember is could I go through one second without having a negative, like really dark thought? Can I go through two minutes? Can I go through five minutes? So I did basically everything you mentioned. I tremendous amount of exercise, meditated, you know, gosh, nonstop. I, I left one job because it was too toxic. Um, I had been living in an apartment on a noisy road and developed a bad case of insomnia. Basically tried every uh, insomnia medication there is. I think the worst I ever got, I went two full days without sleep. Um, and if any of your listeners have ever experienced insomnia, it is, it is crippling because if you don't have a, I won't even say a good night's sleep. This isn't a commercial. If you don't even have a decent night's sleep or some, some sleep, you can't function. But, uh, so I would meditate. I did a tremendous amount of journaling, tremendous amount of reading. I took, I had a tremendous amount of therapy at, you know, my lowest. I probably was seeing a therapist three times a week. And then I scaled it back to once a week, uh, twice a week, excuse me, then once a week, then once a month. Um, exercise is key. I was forced, uh, not by choice, to give up alcohol because one of the side effects of many of the meds is that uh, you can't catch a buzz from drinking, which really frustrated me. Um, another side effect of uh, some of the uh, meds I was on, <coughs> excuse me, 
is you have tinnitus ringing in the ears. So um, honest to God, the honest answer, Joel, is I don't know how, but by the sheer force of my will and the grace of God or whatever universal force you believe in, I made it through. I just had that conversation with my wife uh, not too long ago uh, and my kids too. I honest to God, don't know how I did it. I guess I just, I said, I'm going to make it through. Uh, but man, there were some tough times. I went back and read some of my journals and uh, some of my thoughts and uh, they're pretty dark. <coughs> One of the things that I, that I really enjoy doing is to really dissect and deduce some of the things that are being said and i heard a lot a lot of things that you know i have used and i still use you know techniques exercise meditation leaving toxic environments you were referring to your workplace uh, you took you ended up with insomnia so you did take the prescribed medication uh, and then you also talked about journaling, reading, and therapy. So one, two, three, four, five, six things, not including the meds for insomnia, right? But not to say that medication is a bad thing um, when used appropriately, right? So let's say seven things. But then you said something that just was so peculiar because after all that, you said, I'm unsure. After you said, I'm unsure, you said three things, and those three things were prolific. You said, one, the grace of God. And then you, you the second thing was sheer will of it, the sheer force of will. And then the last one is that you said that you just told yourself that you were going to make it through. You spoke it into existence. Do you think that those are the three main things that you did that helped you to bridge the gap from 2016 to 2022? So great question. I Are those the main things? I don't know that I would label it like that, but I think they were maybe a super important part of the mix. I mean, the other things without, you know, a universal force, will, and just a desire to be there for my children, uh, those that the journaling, the meditating, the exercise, I wouldn't be here, no question. So I guess maybe as I'm kind of thinking out loud, maybe the, that was like the secret sauce, if you will. I think that that's powerful because you also had mentioned a little while ago about the amygdala and how the amygdala has, you know, the fight or flight type of scenario going on. But when it comes down to the amygdala, if we're ever going to be able to overcome that fight or flight, it does require exercise. It does require meditation. It does require retraining. And I just thought that that was very curious because those three things that you mentioned, it seemed like those would have been the types of things that would have retrained your amygdala to no longer just you know take flight or simply fight, but to actually make different decisions. What do you think about that? 
So I think the amygdala has been around since we were amoeba, and I don't know if it's ever going to evolve. <clears throat> but I think part of it is also, and you were talking about it because I know you're very self-aware, and to have that self-awareness. So I will tell you, like right now, <clears throat> every morning, there is a uh, Deepak Chopra morning meditation I go through. It's less than four minutes. So y'all, everybody has the time to do it. And one of the things when you're going through the meditate, you know, when you just wake up, you don't get out of bed and it says, repeat this mantra. What time of day, what type of day do you want to have today? What type of day do you're asking yourself? And honest to God, I could be out running and I'm struggling or I'm going through some work exercise and I will literally physically people, if they're seeing me running, I'll say, John, what type of day do you want to have to? I'm just talking to myself. Yeah. I'm just, Putting that mantra into my head, I have to tell you, that sets my day. I love it. I love it. I think it's powerful. The words that we speak, they mean something. And uh, my co-host in the community, Beacon, we definitely have shared that many times. Words mean something. So we ought to be cautious in what we say, especially what we say, because I believe that your thought forms inside your heart, your mind, you know, in between those 18 inches um, from a feeling to a thought. But when you project it, when you put it out, it means you give it validity. You validate it. You make it real. It becomes it becomes not just a belief, but it becomes your 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 reason. And at that at that point in time, things begin to happen. You begin to walk in a certain direction. You begin to do certain things. So and you creating or you speaking this mantra out, do you think that you start to create a positive or a good day for yourself? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, you, you kind of said it very well there. I think you're speaking to the universe. I think there's some type of knowledge in the universe. I couldn't define it or describe it, but I think it's kind of all knowing, all seeing, all powerful. And when you say, you know, what kind of day do I want to have today? And then it says, you know, I'm going to have a kind, compassionate heart. You know, I'm going to have a reflective, alert mind. You're kind of like, this is going to be corny, but I think you're sending like signals into the universe and it's going to come back to you. And I think the flip side is also true. It's like, ah, I'm going to have a miserable day and everything's going to go wrong. And then the universe is going to bring that to you. And again, I'm kind of taking this out there. I apologize for that, but I really do believe that I, I don't think it's corny at all i think that it is 100 percent accurate i truly believe that you know if you put something out and I, there's been studies that have proven that you know when certain things enter inside of your mind you know when you start to think about something for instance if you start to think about you know, as a matter of fact, I had a, a conversation with the doctor, Dr. Anise, and she was mentioning a specific study. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the idea was, is that if you decide you want a red car, a specific red car, that at that very moment, from that point forward, until you purchase that car, you will begin to notice red cars. It's not that they weren't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that your attention now is looking your peripherals, your body, you know, and we can, whether it's the universe or whether it's just 
our desire to see that red car is so great that we begin to bring those red cars in closer to us. Right on. Uh, 100%. 100%. Ah, that's, uh, I love this. I love this. So by you speaking these things that your mantra, your meditation, your sheer willpower because you love your children, because you love yourself, because you love your family, along with multiple other things like other uh, other positive things like exercise and journaling and reading and therapy, you were able to traverse some very difficult moments because 2016 to 2022, that's six <laughs> years. And I'm sure that, you know, trouble didn't just like say, oh, you know what, don't go by John's house for the next, you know. That didn't <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so right on. It's it's just so weird, Joel, because honest to God, I sit here today and I like it because it helps me reflect. But I was one of the things my wife told me, and uh, it was true. I was always looking for an instant cure. Like this pill's not working, I need this pill. I always thought there was gonna be a magic pill. You know, all the depression, anxiety, insomnia. I mean, I gave a list when I was talking to uh, the kids at high school, I showed them, here's all my depression meds, here's all my anxiety meds, here's my insomnia meds. And I went from med to med to med to med to med because I, I, I figured, there's got to be a magic fix. There's got to be it. There's got to be. And honest to God, there's not. And it gets back to, I think, what we were saying before we went live with the with the audience is that you, I wanted to not go through what I was going through. I didn't want to go through it. And you had to go through it to get to the other side. And man, I... I can't believe there's not a single person who's listening to your podcast who hasn't gone through some tremendous adversity and you know they will understand exactly what I just said beautifully spoken I mean and that's exactly what this podcast is all about right you know it's about making that decision the decision that you're referring to it's about listen it's not everything else outside of me it's not the things that orbit my lifestyle it's about me it starts with me and if i want to improve the things that are orbiting around my lifestyle you know if i want to improve the things that orbit around my life you know if i want to improve my relationship with my wife you know for us you know husband wife you have a wife i have a wife or my relationship with my children or my relationship at work or if i just need to leave my job because it's so toxic but i feel like i'm trapped and i can't do anything about it then there's something that has to change in me what what do you think about that so i think that's a hundred percent the only thing i would add to that is you have to, and you're blessed, and I'm blessed, and I'm sure most of your audience members are blessed, that there's someone you can confide in and you can share with, hey, I'm going through a dark time, a tough time, whatever it is, because it gets back also to something you said previously, is when you can verbally speak it, it resonates, it lands in your mind, <clears throat> and you know, you're helping communicate how you're feeling, you know, to another. 
That's beautiful. I agree with you. Everybody needs someone to speak with. I think that's a part of that you mentioned earlier, being self-aware. I think that's a part of being self-resilient, you know, you know, and being self-aware is like that first stage, you know, before you can get to self self-resiliency, you have to first be aware. And then there's this, there's this stage, you know, there's a stage of self-refinement and maybe in the course of this whole refinement, you know, um, having that person, that coach, that mentor, that therapist, that counselor, that friend that just wants to see you uh, progress, to live, to overcome, and that's not afraid to tell you the truth, but is cautious enough to tell you in such a way that it won't destroy you, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think what you're referring to is growth. I mean, it's our job as humans to grow and evolve, to get better. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It's growth. That's it. That's exactly what it is. It's it's growth. And sometimes, you know, and when you say that, I think about certain plants, right? There are certain plants that will grow to be, you know, very strong, but while they're young, um, somebody with a green thumb, I'm not necessarily one, so I, I can't name a certain plant, but I've seen my wife do it. She'll take another stick and she'll put it into the ground and then she'll tie the uh, the, the plant to that stick and it's all to support it in its frailest moments, its weakest moments. But after a while, the stick, it'll mm-hmm. lose the necessity of the stick because it will have so much strength, it won't need that support anymore. So I like that. I, you know, your comment regarding plants, you know, brings to mind an analogy. And I, I didn't invent this. No, I've never had an intelligent thought. My wife just has my wife and kids. But you know, plants need, <laughs> plants need plants need water. They need rain, and people need rain. Adversity in their life to grow. You cannot reach your potential without rain, without adversity in your life, which is, yeah. And I communicate that when I talk to kids in high school, I I communicate it and uh, I get some look, you know, they cock their head, whatever. Uh, But I would say, I think they get it. Particularly those who have gone through tremendous adversity. And some of these kids have gone through tremendous adversity. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's powerful. That's powerful. So a little bit about what you're doing now, you know. uh... So what I'm doing now is I'm solely focused on the automotive industry. You know, I really, I think I I goobered my bio because I actually got involved in the auto industry back in 1995 in Detroit, working for an automotive supplier called Lear Corporation. so I'm solely focused on the auto industry. It's a $1 trillion industry. You know, I never worked in pharma. I never worked in tech, but autos, I know that business really well. So I help companies market themselves or better market themselves to Wall Street. That's what investor relations is. Every public company out there, doesn't matter what stock exchange they're on, there's someone like me who's talking to the Wall Street analysts, you know, making the case for the investment merits of the company. Um, 
and why you know individuals should invest institutions i should say it's investor relations you're only dealing you know fidelity magellan wellington you're dealing with the major money managers you're not dealing with grandma and grandpa the enterprise risk management side of it is helping companies now that they've grown the value in their share price what are the risks to the company that can really destroy a lot of value we've seen that right we saw that with the pandemic we saw so many companies going out of business now that we're coming out of the pandemic you're seeing companies like peloton stock taking a nosedive zoom netflix, netflix. carvana in the auto industry <clears throat> it's i believe this happens because management and the board they're not trying to look around the corner and saying what's next what if a lot of this is it's not rocket science it's just you know taking the time to you know war game out and brainstorm out okay what's going to happen when the pandemic is done well <clears throat> one thing that's happening and again i it's my business to follow it if you've done any travel at all or if you look at the airline, everything is exploded. People want to travel. They don't care where. It's like, Edith, we're traveling. I don't know where, but we're jumping on a plane. <clears throat> Airports are busier than ever. Hotels are jammed because you had this pressure cooker, right? Like they're the old way of making popcorn and you kept the lid down. And then all of a sudden you said, okay, we're free. And it's exploding. <clears throat> I think it was all predictable. But so many companies, um, you know, failed to see it. And now you're seeing, you know, their stock prices crater. And, you know, that's where my job comes in. Where I've been busy recently is uh, my former company is undergoing a major transaction selling all their auto auctions, okay, in the United States to a publicly traded company called Carvana. They have the car vending machines. They, Many of your listeners, if you see any commercial at all, they'd be familiar with that. So I don't want to get into it on your podcast. That would not be appropriate. But, you know, people are asking me, what are the ramifications for the two companies? So I've been very busy addressing that. And it's fun. I make my own hours. Um, I'm blessed to financially be in a place where work is more an avocation than a vocation. I have three kids who live, one here, one in Denver, one in Tel Aviv, three grandkids. So travel is a big part of our life. <coughs> Excuse my scratchy throat. Beautiful. I mean, you know, what, I, what I've picked up from this is that from 2016 and even before that, I, you know, according to your bio and according to your own testimony, you know, all the way going all the way back into the 70s, you have traversed many difficult things. But what you do is what you've done. You've always been the type of guy to look around the corner. And because you were always looking forward, you made certain decisions to help you get there and i think that that's that's powerful and it's a lesson that should be and can be learned from anyone who's willing to 
protect what they have and and make sure that they are able to grow through whatever they're going through. So I, I do concur. You know, I've, I've never been an eloquent speaker, but I do describe myself as an eloquent listener. And it's interesting. I, I worked for one of the best bosses ever going back in the 90s. And he said, Johnny, I like people with big ears and small mouths because you'll only learn when you're listening. And I never forgot that. <laughs> you'll only learn when you're listening. Well, I definitely am grateful to have you on the show today. I feel like, you know, this is only the tip of the iceberg. I would love to have you on the show again. Would love to. A wealth of knowledge, an awesome conversation. There's so much that was passed on and that came about, and a lot of it I didn't even expect. So I'm just very <laughs> grateful to have you on this show. Well, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun, and let me know when you want me back because I'm here at your service. Thank you so much. Listen, is there anything that you would like to share with anyone, a final final word or something that you'd like to put out about your business for other people or both? Uh, you know, final word would be just stay strong and believe. Um, and uh, no. That's 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 about it. I'll I'll wrap up there before my throat goes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for being with us, even though you had lost your voice. And thank you for what you're doing with those young people over there in Austin, Texas. That is a beautiful thing. It's amazing that you are giving back because of so much that you have taken in. And I think that we all ought to think about that as well. You know, maybe not so much while we're going through because there's still many hurdles that we have to overcome. And then again, maybe while we're going through, there may be some chances uh, for us to do that. So I guess it just comes down to, like you said, just staying strong and believing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. John Peisner, everybody. Thank you very much, Joel. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Listen, we were blessed this morning to have John Peisner here with us who has a wealth of knowledge and also the ability to create an environment of learning. He has a wonderful way of speaking, even though he won't give himself that credit, I will. I'm glad that he's out there and speaking with the young people in Austin, and I hope that he continues to do that in many other places as they will see fit to have him. Remember these few things that he left with us on today, he spoke with his wife and his wife mentioned to him something that was occurring in his life. He thought that there was a cure, an instant cure. And then he realized that there wasn't. You have to go through. You just have to go through. So if you're out there and you're going through something, remember these words. There's not an instant cure. You've just got to go through. You've got to put in the work. You cannot reach your full potential without some rain. Listen, for all of you all out there, remember this. As much as it starts with you, it starts with me. Peace.